At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to a breath of fresh earth. Taking the commitment to a clean environment to the next level. Your host, Rick Friedman, will crown the climate hero and villain of the week, along with discussing worldwide environmental issues, showcasing new products designed with the longevity of our planet in mind, and putting the spotlight on the individuals making a big impact in helping the climate and pollution crisis through social media. Now, your host, Rick Friedman. Hello, everybody across the world. I hope you're all having a great day. If you're exercising or laying in your bed or laying on your couch or driving in your car, thanks for uh, flipping the show on for a few minutes. One of the things I love about this podcast is giving everybody some information about news that is really hard to find. When you come home from work and you flip on the news, you're just catching a 15-minute segment for people who are coming home between 5 and 5.20 or 5.45 and 6 o'clock, and the news cycle just keeps repeating. The former guy did this. Biden did this. This is what this senator did. Every once in a while, there's a horrific story about a disaster, and that gets a lot of coverage, or a shooting, or an earthquake, or, or something that, that takes up time. And then it, the news reporters go right back to the same old things. Very hard to find information. I'm not saying this is the greatest podcast ever in the history of the world, but I don't hear anything like this anywhere else. So I'm glad you're tuning in. So we're going to talk about some fun things today, and I hope you enjoy it. At the bottom of the show notes, there's even a little spot to say, support this podcast. There's a place to donate, whether it's a dollar or more. Certainly appreciate it. It would help go to defray the cost of producing the show. And if you don't donate, I still love you for listening. So here we go. It's horrible when a plane crashes. And we turn on the news, and we hear, we hear the journalists say, they're searching for the black box. And inside that black box will tell us everything we know about what went wrong and why that plane crashed. Well, what if we could have a black box for Earth to find out when Earth crashes, what happened? Well, it's happening. They're building a black box on the west coast of Tasmania. It's going to be connected to the Internet, and it will record information to help future scientists if humanity suffers a major apocalyptic event. Scientists warning about global heating have been ignored for years. More and more we see deadly weather, floods, extreme heats, droughts, catastrophes across the world. In order to record this data, this black box will track climate change and man-made climate disasters. The black box is going to outlive us all. It's a visually striking 32-foot indestructible steel monolith filled with hard drives that are going to record all major events about climate change, and it's powered by solar panels. Battery packs will help provide power backup when the sun is invisible. They picked it because of its geopolitical and geological stability. And the data recorder will be protected by a layer of steel 7.5 centimeters thick. Developers are already capturing scientific data on temperature, sea levels, atmospheric CO2, and the structure isn't even built yet. An algorithm is going to record climate change-related material from the Internet, including newspaper headlines and social media posts. The project's being carried out by Clemenger BBDO, Australia's largest marketing communications company. 
with researchers from the University of Tasmania. They're still trying to establish how the data could be accessed following an apocalyptic event. But they hope in the meantime to increase accountability among businesses and politicians. So they're going to collect two different types of data. One is they're going to measure land and sea temperatures, ocean acidification, atmospheric CO2, species extinction, land use changes, as well as human population, military spending, and energy consumption. And contextual data like newspaper headlines and social media posts and news from key events like conferences of the parties, COP. We just had the COP26, which didn't do nearly as much as anybody hoped, and climate change meetings. So the idea is that if Earth does crash as a result of climate change, this indestructible recording device will be there for who's ever left to learn from it. Maybe it'll be the monkeys from 2001, Space Odyssey. Not that kind of monolith. This will be much bigger. It's also there to hold leaders account to make sure their actions or inaction is recorded. Well, if we're all dead, who's going to care who's responsible? We'll still be dead. The purpose of the device is to provide an unbiased account of the events that lead to the demise of the planet, hold accountability for future generations, and inspire urgent action. I mean, let's face it, unless we transform our way of life, climate change and other man-made perils are going to be really bad. The black box is going to record every step we take toward this catastrophe. Developers say this will have enough capacity to store data for the next 30 to 50 years and are trying to make it easier to understand future, future generations. I can just picture somebody opening it up in like 600 years after we're all gone, and they'll say, your username and password have expired. I guess it's really not funny if we're all dead, but don't you hate it when you have to keep redoing your password all the time? Our field reporter, Wheezy McWeeklon, is back on the staff. He's reporting today from London. Wheezy? Happy New Year. I've heard the air quality is pretty bad in London today. What can you tell us? <coughs> attention, attention. Londoners should avoid strenuous physical activity due to very high levels of pollution. The poor air quality is a result of intense area of high pressure is covering Western Europe. The air is not moving, which means emissions from vehicles and other pollutants are not blowing away as they usually do. The government said pollution levels are going to hit band 10, which is the highest level on their scale. The last time it hit this mark was back in March of 2018. Older people and those with lung or heart problems should avoid strenuous physical activity. And you're probably not listening to this show. People with asthma may need to use inhalers more often. Even healthy people should be careful and reduce their physical exertion levels. The worst is going to be in the city center. Pollution levels are expected to return to normal by Saturday. I've had a couple conversations over the last few years when I talk about my excitement about eventually getting an electric vehicle when I buy my next car, when I say goodbye to my beloved Mini Cooper. I'll definitely be buying an electric car. And I've had people say, well, what about all these batteries? They're going to just be clogging up the landfills. And I say to them, give people time to learn how to recycle them. None of these things transition in two years or, or four years. It'll take time, but the technology will improve. Just like the first car didn't have anti-lock brakes. The first train wasn't as sophisticated as they are now. Well, the first electric vehicles and the first electric vehicle batteries aren't the finished product. So this battery economy is booming. And the recycling industry is getting ready. There's a company in Worcester, Mass. called Battery Resourcers. They're planning building a plant in Georgia that's going to be capable of recycling 30,000 metric tons of lithium-ion batteries every year. That'll be the largest one in North America, and that's supposed to open later this year. There's a company in Toronto called Lycycle. They're building even a bigger one near Rochester, New York. 
and that's going to open in 2023. The development of a battery recycling industry is one of the most important and exciting things about the transition to clean energy for me because recycling batteries is going to be an important part of the growth of electric vehicles because we're going to have millions of tons of batteries that are unusable unless they are recycled. It's also exciting because researchers and entrepreneurs are coming up with cost-effective ways to reuse most of the waste. It's just going to get better and better. Lithium-ion batteries, I'm sorry, lithium-ion batteries are used to power electric vehicles, battery storage, and consumer electronics. The batteries contain rare and expensive metals like cobalt and nickel. When companies manufacture more batteries, governments and electric and environmental advocates have concerns about the environmental damage from across the battery life cycle, like mining the metals to manufacture the batteries and the pollution that happens when the old batteries end up in landfills. Researchers have been trying to come up with ways to solve this problem. Battery recycling isn't new. Companies have processed batteries for, for years. Even with advances in technology, the system doesn't change too much. The workers are standing over a conveyor belt with old batteries they feed into a shredding machine. Lithium-ion batteries reach the end of their life cycle because they have degraded after years of charging and discharging. And that leads to small physical changes that gradually reduce their capacity for holding a charge. It's not because the metals inside are no longer usable. So it kind of works like this. The recycling process begins. They separate out the plastic covering and bits of copper and aluminum foil. And that leaves underneath a material they call black mass. It's a powdery black substance that makes up most of the guts of the battery. The mass contains cobalt, nickel, and lithium, along with graphite and other substances that I don't know and can't pronounce. The hard part, and this is the essence of the technology, is processing that black mass to extract the valuable materials and remove impurities so that they can reuse them. Georgia is becoming the hub of the battery economy. One high-profile example is Rivian. The EV truck maker, they said they're going to be, build a plant near Battery Resourcers plant east of Atlanta. The only Rivian I've seen, I think, was uh, when I watched the Amazon Prime show about William Shatner going into space on Jeff Bezos' phallic symbol spaceship, and they all took Rivians to the launch pad. This company outside of Toronto called Lycycle, they've got a small plant in Ontario and then one near Rochester, and they're building that large plant that I talked about earlier. That plant's going to be able to process 35,000 metric tons of that black mass every year. Like much in the clean energy economy, China's way ahead of the United States. They lead the world in battery manufacturing and recycling. The Resell Center and others are trying to jumpstart the U.S. industry so that batteries from old electric vehicles don't need to be shipped to China for recycling. There's a company in China called CATL. They're the largest battery manufacturer in the world, and it has a subsidiary Brump Recycling, and they have the capacity to recycle 120,000 tons of battery every year. So the United States is behind, but we're catching up. And to all the naysayers out there who think the landfills are just going to be full of EV batteries, just tell them to give it some time. It's happening right now. We're fixing the problem. It's time for the Climate Hero of the Week. Let's hear it for Tallinn, the capital of Estonia. They were selected as the European Green Capital for 23, mostly due to their innovative and modern approach to sustainability. They did something really cool I've never seen before. They built in these six city districts. They got rid of some of the, uh, they added green space, and they've made, the, they call it a pollinator highway. So imagine uh, all, these, all these roads where they've put trees and shrubs, and now the bees have uh, a really cool place and other insects as well, obviously. They also added bicycle lanes to help people get around the city so they don't have to keep driving their cars. They used to have a lot of heavily polluting industries in that town. I've never been there. It looked really pretty. But this is a good example of how 
Change is possible. All you have to do is have the will. So they're investing in their future. And I can't wait to hear more about it over the coming years. So congratulations to the fine folks in Estonia. Thanks for listening. So here's a little um, Rick Friedman climate interest history. In 2017, I went to Pittsburgh for the climate reality leadership training under Al Gore. There was about a thousand of us there, and I learned a lot, and it helped me get motivated to continue to write climate fiction stories, and it was the impetus to start this podcast two years ago. And at that training seminar, at the leadership conference, one of the last speakers was Mayor Peduto, who said that even though Pittsburgh was known as a steel mill town, they were transforming their economy to clean energy and new technology. When the former guy took over, he said, I don't work for people in Paris, citizens of Paris, I work for the people of Pittsburgh. And that drew a big cheer and very popular to his supporters. But he didn't even realize, too stupid, to know that people of Pittsburgh were all for getting rid of the dirty, econ- dirty economy. The cancer levels in that part of Pennsylvania are horrific. They're cleaning up their city. It's a fun place to go for a couple of days. I still hate the Steelers, but it's a fun place to go. So when Joe Biden took over, the first thing he did, or that we all hoped he would do, would be to rejoin the Paris Agreement, which he did. We wanted him to repeal the dirty water rule, and strengthen fuel economy and emission standards, and get rid of the former guy's offshore drilling plan, and restore smart energy efficiency. When his first year in office, President Biden made some good strides reducing global warming pollution, getting the lead out of drinking water and more. He rejoined the Paris Climate Accord, of course, we all know that by now, and restored protections for the Northeast Canyons and Seamounts National Marine Monument, and supported ratification of the Kajili Agreement. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. That's going to help phase out hydrofluorocarbon. The Biden administration's agenda for the next year should keep building on the progress they made. The Build Back Better Act is running into some problems. We'll see how that shakes out. Biden, I think, will continue to undo many of the harmful former guys' policies and restore the environmental policies that we all need. The best new music from around the world. Did you ever go to a music festival? Thousands and thousands of fans soaking in the great music, listening to your favorite guitar player and singers, piano players, drummers. And then at the end of the night, you look around and there's plastic cups everywhere and bottles everywhere and trash cans are overflowing with wristbands. It's a mess. Someone's got to clean that up. Now, the music industry doesn't emit more carbon than anybody else, but there is a lot of carbon emissions that come with that. In Coachella in the United States, the festival produces over 100 tons of waste each day. Most of it can't be recycled. At Unsound, which is a festival in Poland, estimates around almost a million kilograms of carbon emissions. Well, let's look at some of the singers and performers that are doing something about it. The group, the 1975, they're making a more sustainable future. Their latest merchandise is made of upcycled, repurposed older merch that is printed with the latest album art. The band's latest album, Notes on a Conditional Form, the musicians partnered with a climate activist, Greta Thunberg, more about her later, for the title track, also called The 1975. In that song, Greta gives a monologue over atmospheric melodies. It's about five minutes long, and it's been streamed more than seven and a half million times on Spotify. What about Coldplay? Preparing for their upcoming tour in 2022, they're planning to create events that have the lowest carbon footprint possible. The band plans to reduce consumption, increase recycling efforts, implement green technologies. Radiohead, English band, uh, rock band, they focused on sustainable touring for many years. In 2008, before it was cool to say you were an environmentalist, the band was already implementing eco-friendly ac- actions on their tour, getting rid of disposable cups to reusable options for the crew and using biofuels for tour, tour vehicles. 
and banning air freight. They continue to this day doing that. Lizzo, very popular right now. No one makes veganism look cooler than Lizzo. On her Instagram and TikTok accounts, she shows how delicious vegan food can be for her millions of fans. Lizzo doesn't even own a car, and if she ever decides to buy one, I'm sure it's going to be an electric one. Dave Matthews Band, they've been around for a long time. They have an ongoing partnership with Reverb since 2005, and they've reduced emissions by 121 million pounds and raised more than $2 million for environmental causes. Cheryl Crow gets in on the action. She's another longtime climate activist. She was campaigning to reduce toilet paper back in 2007 and toured on a biodiesel-fueled bus for a Stop Global Warming college tour. The musician has earned a Forces of Nature Award from the NRDC for her environmental activism. And Green Day... I mean, come on, could there be a better name for an environmental group? The punk rock band Green Day was already working towards Move America Beyond Oil in hopes of inspiring young people to move towards renewable energy. Before we talk about the next segment, I want you all to think back. Some of you might be thinking forward, but for many of you, it'll be thinking back to when you were 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. What were you doing? Were you on the science team? Were you on the baseball team? Were you playing football? Were you in the school choir? Were you doing productions? Were you out of high school early in college? Did you have a trade? Were you already working your butt off Monday through Friday and sometimes on the weekends at your job? Were you helping your parents, babysitting, doing good deeds in the neighborhood? All those things were important and they were wonderful. Whatever I did in those years seems to pale in comparison to the person I referred to in our next segment. Happy 18th birthday. It wouldn't be a breath of fresh earth podcast if we didn't honor a scientist celebrating their birthday. Well, we're stretching it a little bit today because we're going to honor Greta Thunberg, turned 18 this month. Of course, everybody knows the Swedish environmental activist. At 15, she started spending her school days outside the Swedish parliament to call for stronger action on climate change. She held up a sign. She wanted to start a school strike. Soon after, other students followed suit. They organized a student climate strike movement under the name Fridays for Future. After Thunberg addressed the 2018 United Nations Climate Change Conference, student strikes took place every week somewhere in the world. In 2019, there were multiple coordinated multi-city protests involved over a million students each. She's won numerous awards, including the Honorary Fellowship of the Royal Scottish Geographical Society. She was included in Time's 100 Most Influential People. She was the youngest person ever to win Time's Person of the Year. She was included on Forbes' list of world's most 100 powerful women. She was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize in 19, 20, and 21. In March of 19, she won the prestigious Rachel Carlson Prize, awarded to a woman who has distinguished herself in outstanding work for the environment in Norway or internationally. She won Amnesty International's most prestigious award, the Ambassador of Conscience Award, in 19. On September 19th of 2019, she addressed the UN's Climate Action Summit in New York City. Here's part of her response to a question about what message she has for world leaders. Quote, My message is that we'll be watching you. This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words, and yet I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? For more than 30 years, the science has been crystal clear. How dare you to continue to look away and come here saying that you're doing enough when the politics and the solutions needed are still nowhere in sight? 
You say you hear us and you understand the urgency, but no matter how sad and angry I am, I do not want to believe that, because if you really understood the situation and still kept on failing to act, then you would be evil, and that I refuse to believe, unquote. Well, that was a couple years ago, and I don't think we've made sufficient progress, and I'm sure Greta doesn't either. Probably none of you listening out there believe that either. Maybe the people in charge really are evil. Time will tell if Greta is right about that. Until then, thanks for listening. I wish you a happy and healthy new year. Good night, Galileo. Thanks for listening to A Breath of Fresh Earth with your host, Rick Friedman. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you're the first to hear new episodes. If you want to nominate someone for Climate Hero of the Week, send it to Rick at the link below. This has been A Breath of Fresh Earth. Thanks for listening.